So somebody please don't let me forget to give away this thing that's in my pocket because it definitely will. Is it a no way? Yeah, it's a no way. It's a no way. I think she should get it. Somebody on the back has already started. Yeah. Well, um, since I think we are kind of at that compromise point that I mentioned earlier, somebody said we were supposed to start at one, and then something else said we were supposed to start at one fifteen. So, I, in my mind, said let's start at one oh seven, which is in ten seconds. So we'll go ahead and start a little early, and um, and we'll just kind of move through that. Right. What time are we supposed to be done? So that's. That's what. That's where the conflict is. Right. One thirty. One forty-five. So let's shoot for one forty-five. We'll shoot for one forty-five. One forty-five over there. Okay. Yeah, that's but if petty. we last a little. <laughs> <laughs> we'll He's the wingman. Yeah. So we'll go. We'll, when Lauren shows up, then we know we're in trouble. Yeah. 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 We'll just keep talking until yeah. you guys gotta leave. Yeah. Um, if you're coming in and you need to sign up for credits or anything, make sure you do that in the back, and they'll get whatever you need. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, you are in. Mission Mind and Marriage, if that is where you intend to be, great. Or if it's um, where God decided you should be. Yeah, if you accidentally ended up here, welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe God had a plan for, for right. you to be here. Uh, my name's Randall, this is my wife Kelly. Hi. And uh, I'm going to let her kind of take over some introductions yeah. for um, for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll show you a picture here in a second there of you the okay. rest of us. So we, um, we've been married for a long time, we're both from Alabama. Uh, we have been in ministry for 23 ish years. Um, in August, we stepped out of full time ministry to do um, a, a foster care, caring for vulnerable children and families ministry full time. So we've been doing that for about a year and a half um, in our free time. Yeah. And um, now we uh, just stepped, our church kind of commissioned us to do this full time, um, which we're loving, but it's it's been a lot. Um, <laughs> um, so we have five kids. Um, do you want to say it or I? I feel so awkward when I say it, but anytime I'll I say, say it. Okay, we have three kids, the... The fun way. <laughs> in front of churches, and I'm like, okay. Anyways, so three three kids, the fun, fun for way. for me. That's my story. That's not necessarily our story. Um, three kids, the fun way, and then two that came through us through adoption. Um, we had an international adoption through China. And which wasn't our plan. We worked with the foster care system when we lived in North Carolina at a church and um, thought, okay, this is awesome. We had the privilege of walking alongside a young mom and helping her actually get her son back, 14-month um, process. And so after that, we thought we definitely are going to adopt um, probably through foster care. And then um, driving home from Bush Gardens, and he runs in to get the rotisserie chicken because, you know, you stayed too late and everybody's melting down. And he came back in the car, and I was like, this is our daughter. And um, he was like, she's in China. I was like, Yeah crazy, right? So we're going to go to China and get this little girl. Um, and yeah, we just, you know, that changes everything, right? Yeah. So um, a couple of years later, I was like, we're going to adopt again. And he was like, whoa, 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 let's take our time. He was like, two years home. So pretty much to the day, two years home, mm-hmm. we got a call about um, a baby. So we, were, we had just said, we're done with babies. We'll probably adopt an older child if we adopt again. And um, we got a call about a baby who was three weeks old um, on the West Coast. Her parents are actually international, so they live in China, and their visa was um, ending, and they had to go home. Um, she was born with Down syndrome. They decided to make an adoption plan, and uh, 
we, we got the call. We weren't planning on adopting, so it wasn't like we were waiting. We just literally, they couldn't find a family for her, and we had been working with this agency advocating for kids with Down syndrome, and they said, uh, hey, how's your home study? Because you have a baby. <laughs> so he was away to staff a bit, and I called him and said, hey, so I just got a call. <laughs> yeah, so this two-year mark was, this in my mind, was two years before we start praying about, are we going to do this again? Not two years, we are opening our home to another Right, time. two years. So that was a Wednesday, um, and he was like, all right, let's walk through the door until God closes it. Um, and five days later, I was on a plane to Seattle to get the baby from the NICU. We thought you would be there for five days. Right. Was there a month? Because, yeah, and you, then you were there for four weeks. So it was a, it was a challenging season right. for us. But it's an open. Living um, on two coasts. So we like to say that it, she basically was an open adoption through foster care, um, an open international adoption through foster care. Mm -hmm. So Interstate placement. Yeah. Um, we did a lot of things, checked a lot of boxes off. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. So I think we Did you say open adoption? Yeah, also? open. Yeah. yeah. So um, in fact, during the um, first session this morning, I was chatting with um, First Mama because she's expecting again. She's in China. Um, but she is hoping to come here um, at some point in the next few months yep. to. Um, There's our crew. So this is our crew. Um, this picture is a couple of years, almost two years old. Yeah. Our oldest is 17, will be 17 in just a few weeks. Um, so he's a little older. Well, everybody's a little older there. <laughs> just him, just him age. Science, me and science. No. I, I admire science from a distance. Um, but uh, Anna, our youngest, the one she was talking about, um, that, uh, that we were able to bring home through foster care. And uh, she's not much bigger than that right yeah. now. She's had some developmental delays, and Her she's as cute she's as can be. And sometimes we forget that she's actually three because she looks like a one-year-old. And then she does something that's super three, like climbs on top of the toilet, toilet in the bathroom and decides to like stand up there and grab things off of the shelf that's up there. Mm -hmm. Very three. Yeah. <laughs> very, very so, three. We so, left too because we had said, hey, God, we're done with babies. Like, we're 40. We're done with babies. And then not only did we get a baby, but we joked, like, she's a perpetual baby. So we're like, she's three. I mean, she's like a nine-month-old, but she's three. We also told God that we didn't really think that we were equipped to be parents of girls, and now we have more girls than we do. Yeah. Girls. Also, medical needs. You were like, yeah, I was a no thank you no on thank medical, you medical needs. needs. And now this guy can, like, manage a G2 like nobody's business. So, yep, good. yep. Okay, so let's define this for a minute. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Mission-minded marriage right. um, is a marriage that's centered um, centered on God around the mission of taking the good news of right. the gospel to a broken world. That's kind of a simple definition of, mm -hmm. of a working definition for right. a mission-minded marriage. Right. So the goal in marriage, I mean, especially for um, for Christians, is the goal in marriage is right. You hear God, keep God in the center. So as Christians, like that's our goal is to keep God in the center. But that extra step of, of having a mission, so your your marriage is on a mission, is just to take it that one step and, and use your uh, use your marriage to serve God. Yeah, mission like, is going right, right. Just doing, doing something, and so what you know. What is it that God is calling your family, your marriage, to do? What's that thing right. that He's calling you from the center? Because He's there in the center. What's that thing He's calling you right. to do? How's He moving you forward? Yeah. There's a scripture that um, that you wanted to reference in First Corinthians. Yeah. So what we like is like when you. Um, when you look at marriage in the Bible, like, I love that you go to Paul, and Paul's like, actually, I'm saying probably don't be married. Like, that's the best way to serve God. It's just, it's really hard. But if you really read it... We would it, probably all say, yep, he was right. <laughs> so, God, I mean, Paul says, basically, if you're single, then um, you can serve the Lord without distraction, mm -hmm. which I like the subtle, like, hey, so his boss is a distraction. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're married, you can actually serve God um, even, even better because you can use your marriage to serve him. Yeah. Yeah, I um, was going to use this 
cool feature on my phone that has a telestrator um, to outline, to highlight some things, but I decided that my phone was a distraction, so I just left it. <laughs> but here's what I wanted to point out. Um, do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. So Paul's talking to married and unmarried right. uh, people and says, do whichever one is fine. Do whatever one is going to allow you to serve the Lord best. And there were seasons when I was in ministry as a single guy, right. and I was the guy who was up at the youth center until one or two o'clock in the morning because everybody else had families and needed to go home and they, I was the sucker who would say yes because I had no life and this is my job in ministry, right? right. But that's, it's, you know, now um, now having right. experienced ministry as a married person, it's a different kind of um, role that, that I've taken on, that we take on. Mm -hmm. And yes, it means that I need to go home at a certain time to make sure that the family is m moving in a favorable direction, <laughs> not, not spiraling out of control right. or, or help to yeah, kind of bring the, the yeah. chaos back Come under control. Yeah. Um, but, but also what that means is that because of that, now we are able to take on ministry that I would have never imagined being able to do, not only as a single person, but just in my wildest dreams right. to be able to do something that has some significant mm -hmm. impact. Not, not that sitting with teenagers at you know, midnight at a youth center is not impactful, but I guess what I'm trying to say is like, this is something that not only could I not have imagined doing it, mm -hmm. but there was no way that I could do the lifting to be able to make something like this. Right. And it takes your skills and my skills and your calling and my calling gifting and so forth to be able to pull something like this, this thing off that God is calling us right. to do. So. so kind of the other verse that like we, we like to go to um, is uh, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. So so what we've seen from um, an early age with our kids, um, so not just, you know, kind of our mission, like our mission is to, to take the gospel out into the world, like use our marriage to serve God. Um, but even with our kids, when our kids were really young, um, we would, you know, our, our idea is like, we need to look out in the world as Christians and say, what of this God is not your will? And whatever isn't your will, like, what do you want me to do about it? So for most of us probably in this room, like, we look at kids that don't have families and we say, this is not of your will, so how do you want me to step in? And I'd say for most of us, that's kind of the heart of our mission, right? Yeah. But even when our, our bio kids were young, um, you know, we would, we would say, um, you know, see a need, fill a need. So we just want you to constantly be aware of the needs around you so it becomes just second nature to fill those needs, to step into those needs. Yeah. Can you tell who's the gas in the break in this relationship? <laughs> <laughs> For sure, <laughs> right? Um. So the, the, yeah. This is what's great about this is what, I think if we just break it down for just a second, the, the kingdom of God is made up of people, right? The kingdom of God is made up of people, and His righteousnesses are the are the things that are happening to His people. Mm -hmm. And when we look at at this from that kind of perspective, we see that um, what God's actually asking us to do is to take a look at the things that are happening to people made in His image. And figure out a way that we can we can contribute to helping restore the broken image of God in the world, and that's what I think this is looking. Uh, if we look at it from this perspective, that helps us stay on target and right. move toward this together. Because we we know that couples, tons of couples go to church together, and this is awesome, right? Especially in America, there's hundreds hundreds of thousands of churches and millions of Christians, and a lot of them go together as couples, but. Um, a lot of times, unfortunately, couples will go to church and they will go home and that's kind of where it ends. And um, we know, I believe, I don't know this with any kind of like research or anything, but I really believe that every couple that sits in church together is a target for God. 
wants to do something with that family, with that couple, and move into the brokenness of the world, like Jason talked about last night, what this verse is kind of helping reinforce, to move into the brokenness of the world. And a lot of times I think couples say, I can't, like right. it's just too big, it's too much, or you don't know about this, or just, i got to get these other things taken care of. But families like yours are here because you've said the same thing, I can't, but you didn't end there. You kept saying, I can't, but I trust you, God, and I will follow you anyway. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is what the difference, um, what's making the difference between um, couples who just attend church together and couples who are on a mission together. Right. And just to follow up with that, I can't, like, I think we would all, like, come from places like Seasons of Hard, like, in the trenches, this kind of hard um, life. Um, don't ignore the end of this verse. All of these things will be given to you as well. Like, this isn't prosperity gospel. This is just reality that, that God is going to take care of us. Yeah. When Jesus asks us to do hard things, he will care for us. He will, you know, like we hear um, God doesn't call the equip, he equips the called. And this is what he's saying right here. You do these things and I will take care of you. Right. There's a quote from Jason. He didn't actually share this last night, but I was um, glad because I get to share it with you. You might share it next and then you've trumped yeah. it to it, right? Oh, well. um, he says, what if we started to assume the answer was yes until we heard a no rather than no until we hear a yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's powerful for us as we, as we make moves toward following God. Right. So, um, what? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, and so I think too. I think there's purpose. So, like we were saying when our kids were younger, we would say, you know, this this is what we do. We're here to care for people who are overlooked and ignored. We're we're here to be a voice to the voiceless, right? So we we see needs and we fill them. This is our job. And I think what that does is, like like we said before, God calls us to do these hard things, right? But sometimes defining the mission just makes it. It just gives you confidence that we're doing what God's doing and we expect it to be hard. Right. I don't think it makes it any easier, but it just reminds you, like, whew, this stuff is hard. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, it gives you clarity. <laughs> right. Right. And clarity helps you cut out things that are unnecessary. Right. And we've gone through a season of that where, yeah. you know, we, we've cut out a lot of things mm-hmm. so that we can focus on, on these things right. that help keep us us aligned but help keep our, our family moving toward that thing. That, mm-hmm. So, um you ready to take a poll? Yeah. You got other, something else you wanted to cool. share? Nope, that's good. Okay. All right. So we're going to poll the room here for a second. Um, how do you, right. in your family, how do you protect your marriage? So these things that God's calling us to do, right, these hard things, like put us in the trenches. There are seasons of hard that aren't like, oh, this was a hard day or a hard week, but sometimes it's a hard month. Or at this point, like um, the first three months of this year, our youngest was in the ICU more than she was home. Like we were done with 2019 by April. Um, <laughs> so we're like, whoa, it's been a hard year. And people are like, it's April. Dude, like we're not even in spring yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how do you protect your marriage in these hard? How do you do it? Is that why we're all here? Yeah. I'm here. I'm here to hear how they do it. How they do it, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Rachel. We did finally get to the point where we were able to put date night on the calendar. Yes. Not, um, not, we weren't consistent with that for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And we received post-adoptive services, and that was the first goal that our family coach had was oh, awesome. figure awesome. out how to get Dana on the calendar. You right? also had a family coach. Yes. <laughs> to get you to that point. Yes. Awesome. That's awesome. So get a family coach. Yeah. Yeah. What else? I say we, so outside of fostering, we like we do worship at our church together. We serve together. Mm-hmm. Outside of fostering, which I think keeps 
It helps right. us to be more unified when we foster and in the house. Yes. So just outside the house. Doing mm -hmm. something together. That together. together. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, serving together. That's yeah. huge. And we make it a point, like, at least once a year to have just a weekend away from the kids oh. ourselves. We usually go camping, something cheap, but yes. um, we just need that time to recharge. Yeah. How many kids do you have? Now four. Now four, I know, right? Now four. Right. Today, right. four. Two in Boston. Right. Yeah, complicated yeah. question, I get it. Yeah. What else? So, I think that, you know, like, if we kind of looked at practical tips because what was hard for us was like we would go to these things or we'd talk to people and they would give us all these ideas and we're like, well, we're not a typical family. So I think those typical like suggestions for your marriage don't always apply. Um, so that was where we started talking to people over the last maybe year or two of really trying to see like what can we do and how can we help equip families that are in the season of hard to um, protect their marriage and to get to a point so their marriage isn't just surviving but it's thriving yeah yeah okay so you got practical tips five four i, don't I can't I remember count. I, I think there's five your job. <laughs> i think there's five all right first one draw close to god Tell yes us. Yes. Okay, so we talk about living for the spiritual well-being of others, right? It's costly. So we're serving others with our time, our energy, um, our resources, all of the things. And trying to do this in our own strength, trying to do this on our spouse's strength is a recipe for burnout. Mm. We, you cannot do this without God. Right. And I don't think he really <coughs> intended us to do it without him, right? So <laughs> um, there's a quote by Francis Chan. Yeah. Um, Draw close to him and let your marriage be the overflow of that. When things are right with God, your marriage can actually become what it is designed to be. I think, too, we kind of fell into a trap for a few years, I would guess, mm -hmm. um, that I was supposed to be that. Yeah. I was supposed to draw you close to God. Right. And you were supposed to draw me close to God. Mm -hmm. and, and we were putting too much, we were giving the other person too much credit. Right. Right? Because the Holy Spirit is who draws us close mm -hmm. to God. Right. And yeah. neither one of us right. have feet big enough to fill those shoes, For right? Sure. Um, and so when we take the pressure off of the yes. other person, That's what I was about to say. Oh, jinx. Um, it doesn't count as a jinx unless you say it. Quietly. <laughs> um, I wrote it. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I totally lost track of where I was going. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Like we we take the pressure yes, off of the yeah. other person to um, to fill that to fill that role, right. and realize that um, I'll say this, and maybe this doesn't derail us. There was a pastor who used to say, "The only people who can't feed themselves are babies and invalids," and most of us don't fall into those two extremes, right? Right, and so our job is to pick up the spoon and feed ourselves, right? right? We. We are the ones who are taking action and letting the Holy Spirit draw us close to God. Yeah. When we take that role off of the other person, it takes the pressure off, and now we are co-laborers. Yes. That, that's a big difference for us. Right. Yeah. And there are ways that like he can he can um, encourage me, maybe. So mm -hmm. like if I know that like spending time in the Bible is priority for me, and exercise is priority for me, so literally, like I have this 1980s, I think it might be from the 80s, but it's like an air stepper with bands, right? Because we have these kids that like can't, I just can't be away from the house for any bit of time we definitely can't go to the gym um so i'm on my little ear stepper reading the bible and he gives me that time to do that so there are ways that we kind of protect that time to let the holy spirit speak into it but yeah we definitely have to lean on lean mm -hmm. on god right. so the next thing number two pray together pray together it feels obvious right and like we make no mistake our 
prayer life is not this holy like hour together with lit candles where we stare deeply in each other's eyes and pray. Usually, literally, we're sitting at the table talking, and he's like, I cannot even concentrate because there's chaos happening around us. And I'm like, just look at me. we got 10 more minutes. we got to finish this. But our prayer life is, um, I think, for you, probably in the car. Right? Yeah, or that little chair in front of the window. Yeah, when nobody's awake. Yeah. Right. And so for me, prayer time usually is the shower because that's literally the only time of day where I do not have somebody on me. Even when the baby is crawling into the shower with me, I'm like, I'm ignoring you. Don't get your pump wet because, you know, that's bad. Um, but that the prayer time, and, and most days prayer time for the two of us is this prayer at night as we fall into bed sometime around 1 a.m., maybe later, um, where we're just exhausted and we're like, all right, God, pray, you know, um, this thing. But I do think there is power in when we pray, um, for him to say, I'm praying for you, and for me to say, how can I pray for you today? Um, but also for us to pray together and in this season where we are in um, ministry and we have this mission and we're caring for these kids um, to direct God to um, who, who's the next person we should serve? Mm-hmm. Who's, the, who's the person that we need to care for? What do you want me to do? So we pray for that Holy Spirit direction. Mm-hmm. So we're not saying yes to a ton of things that take us away from maybe the thing that God is directing us to yeah. do. Yeah, I think the, the constant refrain in our prayer is show us the next right step. Right. Introduce us to the next person, mm-hmm. and we'll just be faithful with that next step. Right. Because trying to think too far down the line is overwhelming. And for me, I don't know if it's like that for you, but for me, it's paralyzing. Right. So I don't even take a step. If I can just see one, yeah. I'll take the next one. The other big prayer that we have is, is sounds funny, but like we pray to combat exhaustion. And um, I don't know, like, I mean, maybe this is a mom thing, but um, I'm at that point of tired where strangers tell me I'm tired, like all the time. And I get to the point where I'm like, this is my face. Like, just, this is where we're at. Like, it, it's my t- Like, this is just normal for me now. But, yeah, exactly. So I'm like, either I need to do makeup issue, like it's not, or I just, I need more sleep. So we pray for, we pray to combat exhaustion because we have a baby who literally, like they think, in the last couple of nights, her oxygen has dropped below a dangerous level, like into the 60s, which good is 92, into the 60s, like 10 to 15 times a night. So this is our norm, um, and that's just our norm. So praying literally for Holy Spirit to like, because yeah. we know that exhaustion is an enemy in marriage because when you're tired, you're real grouchy with each other. Mm-hmm. And so literally just like, all right, Holy Spirit, like I'm going to need your energy, like supernatural energy today because I definitely didn't get the sleep. Yeah. And we have a teenager who yeah. is active during the day but not engaged with us. And then at home, um, he wants to start a TV show at <laughs> 10:30, and then wants to start deep conversations at midnight or 12:30. Right. And yes. you don't say no to those things. Yeah. Can we give and my <coughs> number to your teenager? Yes. They can just, <laughs> yes. Right. They can just chat it up. I like that. Yeah. Um, all right. We got to yeah. move on. All right. On. We're moving. We're yeah. moving. Uh, be intentional. Okay. So this is the one that's the hardest. And like talking about date night. When so so when the baby, when our youngest was um, like like little, littler than little, um, we would just take her everywhere, and it was a little easier. But now she's like handsy and gets into things, and she's not fun to take to dinner. But like it's really hard to say, hey, we need a sitter. Um, here's the suction machine. Here's the oxygen. When she chokes, not if, but when she chokes, she's just choking our own snack because she has this floppy ear. Like flip her over. And, I mean, and you see these eyes, and they're like. I'm, no, nope, yeah. I'm good. No. Um, so, so you know, people, like, when they say, like, you have to have a date night, we're like, this is not a reality. And it, so it felt really... Um, we know we need to have a date. We know. Right. 
So it got really <laughs> discouraging because I'm like, we can't, we're trying, we're trying. Um, so I started talking to seasoned moms that, like seasoned adoptive moms like that are like, kind of a season ahead of us. Like, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? And I think the most helpful advice we got was that, you know, just like exercise, like this is not the season where I get to go to the gym for an hour every day, um, but I try to prioritize even if it's literally 10 minutes of my little high stepper thing um, because I know it's important and 10 minutes is better than nothing. Um, that's what she said with date night. Like you may not get like the romantic candlelit, you know, like dinner yeah. every week together, but sometimes our date night literally is walking to the mailbox together. Yeah. Sometimes it's driving around the neighborhood with the kids in the car after they're asleep. Like yeah. It, it doesn't have to be an hour or two hours or a date night every night. I mean, every week, although that would be great. Right. Um, it, it just needs to be intentional time together. Yeah, I think when you think about, especially when we were dating or when you guys were dating, you probably imagined what romance would look like in a marriage 10 years down the road. and You would hope that it would look like, you know, like an increase in the romance. And we probably were the splash of cold water, the bucket of cold water realized now 10 years if you're that far into it five years if you're that far into it, that it's not like that. And it's not because you don't have love for each other. It's not because your love has gotten weaker. It's probably because of all the other environmental things that right. now your life encompasses. Yeah. And and long walks on the beach sound great, but they just don't happen, right? Yeah. right. <laughs> Candlelight dinners don't happen, romantic places yeah. to go. And, and, we um, have a, you know, we have for a pyro that likes to light fires. Right. But yeah. certainly like a candlelight. But, but romance is about <laughs> intent, right? Romance is about intent. It's not necessarily about an experience. Right. It's not about the surroundings. It's about intent. Yeah, and it's so, the pursuit. Right, right. And so if we can be intentional about going for a walk or, or um, going for a drive around the block right. or whatever it is, running an errand together, mm -hmm. um, then those sort of things continue to nurture the soil for romance, right? right? Mm -hmm. The other important thing, and this is another mom said this, and it's so good. So when your kids are young, especially, that you remember how you tell yourself, like when you're basically when you're disciplining them, you're like, look at mama, look in her eyes. <laughs> like you want to know they're getting it. Mm -hmm. And at, at that point, like someone said, oh, we shouldn't just tell our kids to like look in our eyes. Like we need to show them that same respect that what they're saying is important. So when your kids talk to you, put down the phone, put down the whatever, mm -hmm. and look at them. Show them that they're the most important. So she said in that same refrain, when your spouse and you are basically not yelling, at each other you're yelling things at each other like at our house it looks like has the baby had shaky vest yet have you drawn up the meds for the evening who's changed Isla's diaper last you know whatever it is it's execution yeah just yeah. look at each other when you say it look yeah. in each other's eyes yeah. take that time to actually look at each yeah. other and pay it, attention yeah it creates it creates a connection Intimacy. right yeah right so one of the other things that um that someone gifted us um what was it maybe six months ago or mm -hmm. so was uh, he said? It, he said, I think it was um, Don Miller said when, um, when oh, I yeah. when my my wife does all of these things out in the world um, in a very high capacity, and she has to deal with a lot of crap all day long. And when she comes home, um, I look at her and I say, "How can I restore you?" And I I think for us yeah. that was a gift to us that one simple question to just look at the other person and say, "How can I restore you?" Because today. For whatever you've gone through, the world has beat you up. Our kids yeah. have beat you up. Right. Medical needs have beat you up. The fact that we haven't been out together in six months is beating yeah. you up. How can I yeah. restore you? And that question, 
Like, it's a benefit. I'm just going to speak to, like, guys for a second. So, like, this is a little bit of overshare, but we're Come here on. to talk about relationship, right? right. So, like, this week was a crazy day. I had, like, one of those 15 times up in the middle of the night. I was exhausted. Doctor's appointments all day. I think I was driving to Virginia Beach, and I kept getting out of cars' lanes because it was snowing on me, but I didn't know it was snowing. And I was like, what is all over this car? And then I finally was like, oh, it's snowing. It's coming from the sky, not the truck in front of me. And, like, it was one of those days, right? We're tired, right? Yeah, tired. Real tired. <laughs> So he gets home, and in my mind, he's had a great day because he's had coffee with great meetings, and like he comes home and he sees what I've had to deal with, and he comes into the kitchen and says, "And our kids, we have kids like at church group, we have kids like entertained with like watching a movie on the couch." And he comes to the kitchen and says, "How can I restore you?" And in that moment, it was like oh, he cares about me. I'm like, we could go have sex, and he was like, "Come on!" <laughs> like, yes. So I mean, there's power in that to just take that moment, look in somebody's eyes, and say like, "What can I do to restore you?" Sometimes it works out well for everybody. Well, I was going to actually say, make sure that you find time for sex. I mean, that seems like, for some of you, that may seem like a a normal thing, and that's, man, good job. (laughs) We have two kids with medical needs in our room at night, so. Yeah, but it may be be a long time. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Find a way, even if, and I'm going to just like, Oh, pull the curtain back. Even if you have to go out to your car in the driveway or the garage or whatever, because we've done that before, and make it happen, you've got to have those times. Yeah. You've got to have that time for intimacy. And, it, I mean, it's so important. Right. And it goes back to that intentionality. And yeah. you, maybe scheduling works for you. It never works for us because our kids interrupt everything. Um, but you've got to make time for it. Right. It's really, really yeah. important. Okay, so, you ready? Next. Yeah. All right. Unified, be unified. All right, so nothing derails mission like disunity. Mm-hmm. You just, you got to be on the same page about everything. Yeah. Um, and the chaos of your family, the season that you're in, all of those things um, can make it feel like you're not, you're going in a million different directions and you're not unified. And I think that goes back to like just reaffirming this is our family's mission. This is, we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what, you know, our younger, our younger girls have intellectual disabilities. So I don't know if they quite understand it yet or maybe they won't ever. Um, I think they have a level of empathy that maybe we'll never understand or grasp. Right. But our, our big kids, our bio kids, um, they, this is, this is what we do this is what like you know we're the Nichols family this is what the Nichols family does we care for people and so even if we're going in different directions if we're going in different directions to care for people um, then we feel unified in that yeah yeah sometimes I feel like maybe we've done too good of a job with our oldest because <laughs> uh, yeah he will pull up to an intersection with uh, and there'll be a, a homeless person at the intersection and he will literally hand them I've seen him hand them a hundred dollar bill before. of his hard earned and I'm like okay let's pull that back a little bit that's me that's right that's my issue like you know yeah. I feel like five dollars is good. You give them a hundred, but what we've done, what we've done, it doesn't. To me, it doesn't actually matter about the money. When I see what I love that I've seen in right. him, is that he says, "I'll do. I'll give you whatever I've got in my pocket," mm-hmm. because you are another or image the bearer. Shoes off my feet. Right. Um, you are an image bearer. You you are cut from the same cloth. Yeah. And if it weren't for some fortunate set of circumstances. I could be in your place tomorrow. Right. And, and I think he gets that. And I love that <laughs> yeah. because, um, because we took a shot and said, we think this is what God wants us to do. And now he's 17 almost. And we're seeing that play out we're seeing the in real life, For sure. right? On his own, um, on let's his talk own about time. Distractions. Okay. 
distractions from keeping us from being unified. So yesterday we went to the screen time one. I don't know if anybody oh, else yeah. went to the... Um, so one of the things that he just made an offhand comment as we're driving in the car, one of our drive around dates, talking about this, was what distractions um, do we have in our life that keep us from being um, on the same page? So they, they are distractions from unity. And I think that screen time thing was really eye-opening for us to realize that, um, you know, we may be lucky if we have five to ten minutes. Um, like the teens in a shower are finishing up homework, the middle kids are in bed, the younger kids have been, you know, like we have this small window of time where everybody actually is doing something. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we fall onto the couch and usually are scrolling, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're just so tired (laughs) that you just want to disconnect and I I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that but I think um, when you have to be so protective of your time together that 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 mindless scrolling that just numbing out of the world unintentionally it numbs this relationship as well yeah yeah and we go back to that scripture about the kingdom and thinking about thinking about the kingdom we 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 realize that our goal um, when we're unified and we're moving in the same direction, when we're prioritizing the kingdom, that it, a lot of times it's going to look and feel upside down. Right. Um, because what we're doing in a lot of ways, if you read through through Scripture, especially as um, Jesus kind of says, you thought it was this way, but it's actually this way. Everything's backwards. It's upside down. It's countercultural. And, um, and I think it, it can be tempting to look at other um, couples, um, especially those who are not following Christ, and... Um, they're having some level of success or you see their life from the outside and you think, man, if we could do it that way, it seems to be so much easier, but, but God's calling you to do this. And I, and I think it, what we've got to realize is that um, if you, your spouse, your family are all unified, then you are all going to be in lockstep with the king and with his kingdom, regardless of what the rest of the world is doing. That's what matters. That's what he's called you to is to be um kingdom focused and be unified and making that focus happen. Right. And I mean, we go back to scripture a lot. Like there's no promise in the Bible that it's going to be easy. Right. Right. (laughs) So we kind of say that to ourselves. Like we know this is going to be hard. We have chosen this thing that's good, but it is hard. Yeah. Gluttons for punishment sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. All right. Last one. Yes. Embrace transparency. So we have to invite people in. We have to be about um, honest about what God's doing in our life. Um, and mainly we have to let people see that perfection is not a prerequisite to serve. Mm-hmm. So like we say a lot, and I think you've heard a lot in this, like not everybody's called to adopt or foster, but everyone can do something. And this is where you invite people into your story in that thread of everyone can do something. So some people are going to see, like we have a family that has adopted um, a child, and they literally say, we know you guys. If y'all can do it, we can do it. Mm-hmm. Not like we're amazing, but they're kind of like, y'all are a hot mess sometimes, so if y'all can do it, we can probably do it too. But that's that's where transparency, and I know there's a temptation, especially when we when we are choosing this, right? Like, I mean, everybody's probably had that person in their life that has said, like, well, didn't you choose this? And you're like, yes, Brenda, I did. Thank you very much. Is there any Brenda? I know. I actually have a good friend, Brenda. I always feel bad. But... But yeah, we we did choose this, but to be very real and open about what it looks like. And really the reason for this is that, like we said earlier, um, you cannot do this thing on your own strength, for sure. You can't do it on your spouse's strength. Like, we have to do this with God's strength, like on his strength. But I kind of think, and we've seen this over and over again, especially in adoption, is that when God supports us, when he equips us, it looks a lot like community. Mm -hmm. And you have to have a circle. 
you have to have people in your inner circle that are holding you up. And one of my favorite verses that I never really even paid attention to until we went through adoption was um, the verse like where uh, Moses is in battle, right? And God's saying, Moses, stand on the mountain with your arms up and worship me. And as long as your arms are up, we're going to be winning this battle. Mm -hmm. But when you get tired and your arms go down, like, we're not. We're going to lose. Mm -hmm. And so his friends see that he's tired. And what I love is they didn't take his place. They weren't like, Moses, scoot over. I got this for a little while. They were like, you're doing this thing that God asked you to do. I can't take your place. So they got a rock for him to sit on. And then they stood there and held his arms up for him. And that is the beauty of support. And that's what we've seen. We literally have people that, you know, I go, I take a kid to the doctor and call him and say, like, hey, um, they're admitting us to the hospital. We're in the PICU. We've got kids all over the peninsula that were like, go pick somebody up. And and that's when our circle just comes in tight and carries us through those things. Yeah. And you, you can't do it alone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the solution to every problem is a person. In one way or another, someone is going to have to get involved in solving the problem. And, and whatever that problem is, the other end of it is going to be a person responding to God mm -hmm. to step in. Mm -hmm. um, the prompting of the Holy Spirit driving that person toward whatever need it is that needs to be fulfilled in you. So, right. Okay, we made it through all these parts. High five. We did it. All right, so we, we do have an organization. Um, we are in Hampton, Virginia. Um, and, um, all over Hampton Road, so it's... Yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's kind of our... That is our home, actually, um, Hampton. But, uh, but yeah, we, we, um, we try to just make sure anybody from, like, the Williamsburg area down into the south side... We want to make sure you have support, that, that if you're going through the foster care process, if you are an adoptive family with um, children at home, that you have the support that you need. We, um, we like to build wraparound cir um, circles um, to make sure that you have what you need. And uh, if you just need some encouragement, um, we want to be there and be able to help provide that as well. Um, so you can find us on our website, wearetheecho.org. Um, but also um, on Facebook and Instagram, just search for me Echo. Um, we wanted to leave um, just a few minutes um, just for some Q&A or some mm -hmm. feedback or some maybe somebody over here has got an answer for a question over there. We're not here to give you the answers. We're just here to facilitate the discussion. So let's just open it up for some Q&A. What, um, what do you got on your mind or statement or anything from all of this, something you're processing? Go for it. The pray together yeah. question? Yeah. Is that something that you guys did initially in your marriage? Did you work it out? How did you start that? Praying together? Yeah. Desperation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that, I mean, we all, we, we have spiritual legacies that we stepped into. Uh, my grandparents were, and my parents were in ministry. So it's not like this was a new idea, praying together. Mm -hmm. um, and same thing for, for her family. So when we got together, the spiritual component was there. But I think the discipline of praying together is what we have, I think, probably have struggled with, mm -hmm. you know, even current day. Like, right. it's one of those things that we don't do the way that we really want to do it. Right. Um, we would love to have those times where we can sit down at the table together and hold hands and pray and um, or you know turn some worship music on and just spend an hour together right. um, praying and shaking heaven it doesn't work like that for us in the season that we're in so right. um, I think for us um, 
the falling in bed with those desperate prayers yeah. um, before we before we fall asleep mm-hmm. is kind of where it begins. What's cool about that is numerous times when we've made some of those desperate pleas as we fall into bed, the answer comes to us within a day or two. Like we had one just this last year where our car was absolutely falling apart and we had no, we weren't prepared for it and we didn't have enough money to really replace it with something that would be reliable. So the plan was to beg our friend who's a service manager to do the repair and let us pay him for the labor in increments. That was kind of our plan, but we said, God, we don't know what to do. Like, right. this repair is going to cost thousands of dollars. Right, and we had earmarked that money because we knew that his salary at the church would be very shortly, and so we were like, we can use this money if that's what you want us to do, right. but we also are going to be, like, jumping into a nonprofit that relies on donations, so we kind of want some money, you know, yeah. to, like, um, We literally yeah. prayed that night, God, show us what to do about need, this car situation. Right. And the next day... And, well, and we said, specifically, we are weary, and we need provision, and I don't think... I think there's power in just very simple prayers. So yeah. every night, like, the discipline of every night praying, even if literally our prayer is, we are weary, mm-hmm. God, we mm-hmm. just need a little provision, or, you know... Pray for what's next. What's the next step? Whatever it is. They're not elaborate. They're not long. They're very simple prayers that just tackle whatever's right in front of us. So that night we prayed. We were weary, God. We just need some provision. The next day at about 10 a.m., I got a text message from a Honda dealership that said, you need to come pick up your car. Mm. <laughs> and he called me three times. I thought it was a joke. I was, I was like, come on, guy. Yeah. He was like, no, this is for real. So I called my friend who was a service manager that I was going to beg to just help me pay for the repair. And he said, I know them. They're good people. It's legit. Go get your car. Yeah. So he calls me at the hospital. Yeah. And I'm at the hospital with with another child, not the baby that's always in the hospital. And he calls me three times. And I'm like, okay, 100%. He's in an ambulance with her headed to the hospital. So I'm like, what's going on? How's Anna? And he was like, no, Anna's fine. Somebody bought us a car. So I don't know if praying will somebody will buy you a car. (laughs) I can't promise that. I know, right? The point of it is it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be this formalized process. It hasn't been for us. I would love it if we had those moments where we could say, okay, every Wednesday at at 7 p.m. after dinner, we're going to sit down and pray together. Right. For us, it's just a mess. Sometimes just we take what we get. Yeah, and, crying out. And just make those moments of desperation a cry from our heart, and we know that God responds. To I will, uh, too, I think there's power in, like, we, a lot of times when we pray individually, we don't just pray for each other, but we also are praying mm-hmm. kind of, like, for affirmation or things. So, like, when we were get, going through the process to adopt the second time, like, I would send him texts, like, hey, look at this kid, like, you know, cute little kid, like, wherever. And he's like, mm, yeah, I don't think it's a hard pass for me. Like, I would keep sitting, and I was getting frustrated. Like, we we're ready to adopt. We're going to adopt again. Like I, and so I felt my prayers like, God, move in him. And then finally it was like, all right, God, you, you have this on our heart. You know my heart. I know his heart is good and I trust him. So what I'm asking you is to move through him. And so I can trust that, like, if, if he responds, like, yes, let's move forward on this child, then it is the Holy Spirit prompting because I'm asking him to move um, through through Randall, who I trust and love, and I'm not resenting that he's not saying yes. Um, and that's exactly what he did with the baby, you know, like. I have one more very practical yes. thing. There are way, I started out just making some little notes that would pop up as reminders so that I would remember to like pray, in for, pray for certain things. And then... This app came out, consequently called Echo, 
Um, we, did, we did not create it, but we love to oh, use it. No. Right, yeah. So like, we're, we're, we're in the, we're yeah. the Echo. The, 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 there's an app called Echo Prayer. Yeah. It's a free app, and you can set up prayers and, and include people in those prayers through the app, and you can pray with people together through the app. It's a great app. Um, so go check that out, Echo Prayer, um, yeah. in the App Store. Great resource for making prayer happen in those quick little minutes. I just wanted to add also on that, like, we were talking earlier, a conversation that we were having, when you're, there's something that you're not doing and you want to start, mm-hmm. it's awkward. Yeah. No matter what it is, if it's going to the gym and you haven't been going to the gym, if it's you haven't been involved with diversity and now you are, like, your first start is so intentional. And when we first got married, it was his idea, you know, like they were just saying, safe space married, like, you're having sex, that's intimate, you're hanging out with each other, that's intimate, but if you're not praying together, it is a different level of intimate, that even though you're married and doing those things together, the first time you do it, it's awkward, mm-hmm. and you're like, this is my person, we're together, but until we start, like, the first few times, he's like, we just start praying together, and we, we hadn't, and we both came from Christian families, but not that intentional yeah. with their faith, um, mm-hmm. where I wasn't used to, other than like praying before dinner, I didn't have anyone ever be like, let's just pray together. That wasn't my, right. that wasn't my culture. Mm-hmm. That wasn't part of what we did. Yeah. So this guy, I gave him all the props. Um, he wanted to start doing that, and it was super uncomfortable. <laughs> so I'm like, right. I pray. Yeah. To God myself, but not in such an intimate, like, we're not just like, thanks for this food. Real heart prayers together, it's intimate, yeah, it's awkward, and intentionality yeah. makes it more comfortable. Yeah. Absolutely. What else? Questions or comments or... Anything? Yeah. So, I am a marriage coach. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, something that I think is really important is to treat your marriage like it's a separate thing yeah. besides just like your husband and you and then it's your marriage so you get to like nourish your marriage mm-hmm. just like you would nourish a child or yourself right. or a plant or mm-hmm. an animal um, so if you look at your marriage as like part of the the you know the three of the th- you your husband and your marriage um, you start to pour into it in a different way than you would just I'm married, yeah. right? Um, yeah. So I think that's. Yeah. So we teach we we use the the terminology, the marriage is the client. Yeah. Yes, that's what I was about to say. So my background is in counseling, yeah. and like when pastoral counseling. So when I would have couples in to to counsel mm-hmm. marriage counseling, and unfortunately that almost always happens when there is a big issue. So like infidelity or like your clit, you know, whatever's going on, it's usually something big. Um, and that's what you say is okay. So in this space. The marriage is the client. So you may need your own counselor. Both of you may need your own counselor. That's usually encouraged. But in this space, the marriage is the client. And so I do think that that is um, something like that we would always talk when we would do premarital counseling with people. We would say... Define what your mission is. Define what your marriage goals are. And then if you're acting or speaking in a way that is contrary to the, the heart of the, the client, right, the relationship, um, if I'm acting or speaking in a way that's contrary to this, then we can both speak into that because it's not you're not doing this or I'm not doing this. Yeah. It's, hey, we committed to do these things and we're acting in ways that are contrary to those things. Yeah. So, yeah, like to almost prioritize it as a separate thing yeah. is, is huge. I'll throw this out there too. This is to the, to the guys in the room. Um, when we talk about nurturing our marriage, the, 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 the word husband actually means cultivator. So if we are the ones at the, at the front of this relationship or in the, in the position of cultivator, if there's anyone in that position, guys, by nature, it is you. Kevin's telling me we got to be done. 
<laughs> he just left though. So. Um, I'll, just, I'll just leave you with that, and uh, we'd yeah. be happy to, to talk more and answer any questions. Um, but, oh! Get the All right. Thank you guys so much yes, for being here you. with us. We'll see you back in the main session. Yes.